Turn with me, please, to, to Matthew, the 14th chapter. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Robert, it's good to see you, man. It's good to see you in the house of God. Amen. And, uh, yeah, I'm, so, just, I'm not going to be before you long. <coughs> I know that because I put a timer up here so I can see my time. Something new that I'm trying to do. Amen. So we're excited about that. So let's go forth. Uh, I mean, I was... Just thinking about, you know, just traveling. I told you I went to Orlando, and that was a great trip to Orlando. My first time ever going to Orlando, Florida. My first time going there. Wasn't there long, but I was there long enough. I was at this conference, and while I was at the conference, I'm like thinking, like, you know, I, I, miss, I miss my Charlotte. So I just hustled on back to Charlotte. I left the conference early, got what I needed to get out of it. And it was Podfest. I'll go back again next year. I think it's a value. More of us should be in tune to podcasting, and so that was the place to be. But I was thinking about also just recently the uh, Mardi Gras. I didn't even know the Mardi Gras meant. I just called it this. I, I'm learning uh, the culture. I'm trying to know my wife's family's from Louisiana. I'm trying to get more in tune. But I've been to Louisiana. I've been to more, more than more so. I've been to New Orleans at least six to a dozen times. I don't even know. I have had so much fun when I've gone there. Forgive me, those are my things in my past, but I, I, but I took a group of kids. The last time I was in New Orleans, I went for Mardi Gras. We didn't go for Mardi Gras. I took a group of kids, 20 kids or so. I was a professor. I took 20 kids to New Orleans to do some redevelopment, still working for building up New Orleans after the Hurricane Katrina. And just so happens the school planned the trip right in the midst of Mardi Gras. Yeah, right in the midst of Carnival. And I wasn't really clear what carnival was. I wasn't really clear what carnival was fully, but I didn't, you know, I know it was a celebratory time. But it starts off with parades, and I had Zulu, and I got me a coconut from the Zulu tribe, and they have all these tribes. And I'm like, well, it's interesting to have tribes. I didn't even, I thought they were like, you know, bought over the motherland, but then I realized that there were tribes that weren't always just black. There were some white tribes too. And so they had these different parades and floats, but it led up to Mardi Gras. And I really didn't know what Mardi Gras was. Mardi Gras actually means, in French, it's translated to Fat Tuesday, Fat Tuesday. And so I had the kids here, and I had the kids, the, I call them kids, they were 18 years old, maybe 19, and they, I said, you get half an hour, we'll walk through the French quarters for just a half an hour, we'll walk through so you can experience it. I thought it was wiser for me to take them in the midst of carnival then to allow them to sneak out and go on their own. So I took them and we're in the line and I had about 12 kids with me, students with me, and I lost half of them. I lost, just, and they just disappeared from me. And I'm like, oh my God, I done lost these people's kids in the middle, middle of New Orleans and I'm nervous, there's thousands of people out there. And <coughs> I decided to walk around and I saw this sign I saw a sign that said, no ghost here. No, no ghost, no ghost, no, no ghost. You know, it was an apartment. They were advertising the apartment, and they said there weren't any ghosts. And I'm like, well, that's a unique way to advertise for an available apartment, no ghost. But it was real to them, it's the fact that in New Orleans, if you're not really aware of it, they practice the art of other arts of spirituality, some form of witchcraft. So 
For them to see ghosts in places un uncommon for them. And I thought, man, if that is my criteria of available apartment is ghosts, I'm not sure. I don't even know if I believe in them. I'm not even clear, because I believe in the Holy Spirit. But Amen. if there's a positive, that is also a negative. But then I, when I lost the kids, I came back around, I finally was contemplating, we were laughing about the ghosts. The kids came back, the six had departed. They were all female. When they came back, they had all these beads on them. I'm like, oh, Lord, where you get them beads? <laughs> and I thought, I was educated, they were like, oh, now they're going to take videos, and their parents are going to see them with all these beads, and I am their chaperone. You don't know about New Orleans and Mardi Gras. Beads are indicated you've been having too much fun, amen? That's right. So anyway, today I want to talk to you about on the topic of, have you seen a ghost? Have you seen a ghost? I read to you from Matthew 14, 25 to 32. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said, and Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You, a little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Verse 32. And, then when, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. <coughs> Have you seen a ghost? <laughs> I think back on this story. I can imagine them walking, I mean, reading on there and out in the water, and they're looking up, and they see a figure walking toward them. And not making any sense at all to them, they're seeing this body of a person walking toward them, and they're completely confused by what they see because it doesn't make sense to see someone walking on water. And quite often, we become afraid when something doesn't make sense to us. So today, I want to say, don't be afraid. You can't claim that you love the Lord. You can't claim that you are connected to God and be afraid. Because where there's fear, there is no God. This coronavirus is going to sift us in America from those who believe and those who doubt. From those who believe God has everything in control to those who are afraid. It's a sifter, in a sense. For those who stand up and watch our president talk while the head of CDC is shaking his head and is like, whoa. I mean, ever since the Tuskegee experiment, for those of you who know our history, I, I, I'm uneasy about our government. I'm uneasy about them, what they say, what they do. When I worked, I didn't used to get a, 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 flu, a flu vaccination. I would not get one. I would not get one for years. And then I worked in the federal government. And they used to get, I worked at the State Department. 
And that's the first time I got a flu shot was at the State Department because you would stand in the hallway, in the hallway they would stand there, and then they would, they would uh, have you pull up your shirt and they'd give you a shot right in the hallway and keep it moving. And when I saw some high-ranking ambassadors come out and get their shot, I thought, okay, I can get my shot now too. Because they're not going to give it to them. Uh, you know, they may give it to me, but they're not going to give it to them. So I'm going to get what they got. So that's when I decided to get a flu shot, was when I saw that this person here, who was high-ranking, got his flu shot. Because before then, I have to tell you, I was a little bit afraid. But I was putting my trust in man, not my trust in God. We have to transition in this season right now to become more connected with God than ever before because this is a season where your faith will be tested. Verse 25 says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, don't be afraid. We can't be afraid. God is saying, here I am doing some miraculous things in your life that will not make sense at all if you just believe. You can't be afraid. The one of the biggest fears in my household is a spider. As Rachel, because she'll run through the house for a spider because of a spider. Any bug. She's a bug. A bug. Any bug at all. Just, she's going to run through the wall to get away from a bug. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> but the biggest thing that frightens people, and just in general, is public speaking, they say, that's one, speaking for the public. And number two, it's not the fear of failure. It's the fear of success. More people are afraid of succeeding than they are of failing. See, you become afraid to succeed because it means there has to be a change in your life has to happen with success. So when they saw Jesus sitting there, it was a miraculous wonder that they saw him, but they got afraid because they didn't understand that if he's who he said he is, the Messiah, if, he who, if he's who he said he is, the King of Kings, if he's who he says he is, Emmanuel, God with us, why wouldn't he walk on water? Why can he do miraculous things? Why, why is it surprising to them to see him in a place that is not naturally known to them, but naturally known to him? If he's able to do all these wonderful things, why can't he just appear? It was a miracle. It was miraculous. Some of us are moving away from our miracles because we're afraid to walk into the success that God. You asked for it, you received it, and you're shocked. Why are you shocked? Why are we shocked? Because if we ask for it and we believe and trust God for it, it should happen. Don't be afraid to walk into your miracle. Don't be afraid to accept the success that God has for you. Don't be afraid to start the business that's been churning inside of you. Don't be afraid to write the book that's been in your mind for years. Don't be afraid to go after that career, that job. Don't be afraid to buy that house. Don't be afraid to move. Don't be afraid because you've asked God for it. Expect it to happen. Have a place of expectancy. The miraculous wonders will happen in your life because God is. We gotta walk into the promises of God. 
We have to walk. April 5th is our grand opening. Let me tell you. This is an amazing time to launch a church in the midst of the coronavirus. That's exciting. Because I know now that it's not what we do is what God releases into the atmosphere for us. It's for us to trust him. April 5th is going to be explosive. I've been envisioning it with palms walking down the sidewalk and coming in and the variety of old friends and new friends here and the splendor of it all and everybody's taking all their absences from the praise team, they're all present and everybody's taking all their absences from the music department, they're all present and I'm expecting us to just be a glorious and explosive time and I'm expecting miracles to happen on that particular day and I'm expecting people to enter into the kingdom of God saying that, you know, I'm gonna, I, I, I turn my life around. I'm expecting those miracle, miraculous wonders to happen. But I'm walking into understanding that I can't be afraid of the possibilities that God's going to do miraculous wonders. I have to accept them as a reality in our life. I'm anticipating something wonderful to happen because I trust God. We trust God. We have 10,000 flyers to get rid of in four weeks. I'm so excited to get rid of them, to share the good news. Are you excited to share the good news? In Deuteronomy 31, 7 through 8, it says this, talking about Joshua. We talked about Joshua the last couple of weeks and how they marched around the city of Jericho before the walls came tumbling down. But see, that was prophetically said that it was going to happen. Deuteronomy 31, 7, 8 says this, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with these, this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. You must not divide it among them as an inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Again, verse, verse 8 says this, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. See, Joshua was given an order from God to go before the people. See, God has already given us prophetic word to go out before the people and establish his kingdom here in Still Creek. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. Go. It's exciting to be under the orders of God because then you can just go with the confidence that it's all going to work out. Go into that workplace come Monday. You've been wanting to talk to your, your boss about an advance, I mean a, a, a promotion or an increase in pay. Go. Walk with it. Understand that God is before you. If he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Don't walk so slowly. Run into your miracle. Run into the promises of God. Point two I want to share with you. Obedience is an act of faith. Obedience is an act of faith. Matthew, the 14th chapter, 28 through the 29th verse, it says this. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. On the water. Come, Jesus said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Obedience is an act of faith. Peter could have easily just stepped out on his own, probably, and, and walked on the water. But now he, 
He didn't want to have that. No, he needed some encouragement. He wanted to be directly ordered from God. See, Peter understood the relationship with God. Peter understood that wherever God was to go, he was going to go with him. Wherever the Messiah was going to go, he was going to go with him. Wherever the Messiah was, he was down. How many of us are just down like that? Growing up in Los Angeles, what I really loved them on brothers, they still get together. I saw them on Facebook. It's exciting. Was the fact that at some point in time, wherever the fellas went, we were down. We're just, this is, where, where are we going? No matter where we're going, I'm going with you. I don't care where we go to the movie, I'm going with you. You know when you were young and had fun and you had no really worries in the world? Your friends were like your brothers, you know what I'm saying? You're, I miss that. I miss basketball teams. When people play in the NFL, NBA, they come back and they talk about the years of experience. They've been in the league for 14 years, whatever it was. What they missed the most, they missed the most was the camaraderie between the teammates. You know, it's been, some of us can reflect on this, is the fact that we have family members we don't see all the time except for family reunions. And probably you were to think about it, those are some people you don't want to see all the time except for family reunions, right? You get excited to see them at family reunions. You think back of the good times, but, you know, you don't want to see them every day because, you know, Uncle Tony's kind of crazy. Everybody got a crazy Uncle Tony. I have a crazy Uncle Tony. It's not his name, but I got a crazy Uncle Tony. I can't be around Uncle Tony every day because he's, he's a whole lot to handle every day. But I can see him at family reunions. I, I, I want to see Uncle Tony at every family reunion. I want to hang with him every family reunion. I mean, because he's going to do something crazy. But I, that's my Uncle Tony. But you can't talk about Uncle Tony. I can talk about Uncle Tony. You can't talk about Uncle Tony. Because wherever Uncle Tony goes, I'm down with Uncle Tony because that's my Uncle Tony. As crazy as he is. But if you want, I'm down with him no matter what he does. He's my Uncle Tony, and I love him. You can't talk about him. Peter had a relationship with Jesus. was like, no matter what he does, I'm going to do. I'm down with him. Wherever you go, God, I'm with you. Wherever you go, Jesus, I'm with you. Peter was the one that took the sword when the soldiers came to him and he cut off the ear of the soldier. Peter was the one who said, Jesus said, upon this rock I built my church. Peter was the one that was there. He knew that his relationship with God was, well, Peter was the one when Jesus went somewhere with just two, three people. One of the people he took, he took Peter because Peter was down like four flat tires. <laughs> he was down. You can't talk to Peter was with it. So Peter said to Jesus, well, look, I'll go with you. Wherever you go, I'm down. Just tell me to go. Here I come. He said, come. Peter like, that's my man, Jesus. Here I come. Out of obedience. Here I come. You told me I'm going to go. Here I come. See, we have to get like Peter. When Jesus says go, we go. When he says come, we come. God instruct me. But you can't be afraid and you have to believe. You can't be discouraged. You have to believe. You can't have doubt. You have to believe. Peter was at a place that he disbelieved. If you said it, God, here I come. How about, think how much further we would be in life if we were to approach our relationship with God in such a way. If he said, well, it makes no sense. <coughs> when I was young, er, 
I wasn't quite young, I was younger. I decided that I was going to test my anointing with God. I wanted to hear his voice. I wanted to discern when he spoke to me. I wanted to know that it was him speaking to me. And so I did the most simplest thing. It was simple but profound. The thing that I knew most was I went to a place, I was in a city that I didn't know. And I didn't, didn't use GPS, didn't use a map. I listened to the voice tell me where to turn left and where to turn right. I would pick a location and I would go. And I, I was trusting God, like, I want to be able to, I hear these voices, God, but I want to know it's your voice. I want to discern that I'm hearing from you. When it said turn left, I turned left. When it said go right, I went right. I'm not saying that this is what everybody should do, but this is how I did it, because I knew I was hearing from God, but I knew that I wanted to be sure that I knew his voice, so I put it, for me, I went and I tested my own individual faith. And I got to my location. I did it once. And then the next time I did it again. I get it again. So now when I hear this voice of God, I know it's his voice. But now when I hear the voice, I can be obedient to that particular voice because I know it's of God. You have to get to a place where you can discern the voice of God. You know, one thing I would love about moms is this. A mom can be in the grocery store or wherever she can be in the mall, and she can hear the child can say mama, and all the loud noises, has this happened to you before? All the loud noises that you hear, that mama can hear that child's voice through the midst of all the clutter That's true. in the mall or the store. Or you go to the door, and you knock on somebody's door, and he says, who is it? He says, it's me. <laughs> Who's me? Or you call somebody, who is it? It's me. Because when you're connected with somebody, you know their voice. You have to be able to discern the voice of God. Many of you have to get to discern the voice of God, but you're not acting upon it because you're afraid to take that first step. You're afraid to step out of your boat called life and walk upon the water that God has already presented before you. He's been speaking to you, telling you how to get to your victory, how to get to your success, how to get to the promises that he had for you, but you refuse to walk out on water. You refuse to take the first, I'm saying take the first step. Trust God. Walk into your miracle. Walk into your promises of God. Walk into your promised land. See, it was preordained and prophetically said to Joshua to go out and to cross the River Jordan. And that's the passage of scripture I was telling you in Deuteronomy was that God had told Moses that he was not going to pass over the River Jordan. But that Joshua would pass over. But who was Joshua? Joshua was one of those two spies that went into that promised land and came back and gave the, the response that they looked as though we were grasshoppers and we looked like grasshoppers to us too. But we can still take this land. See, Joshua was the one who, who understood the promises of God. Joshua was the one that did not fear man. He trusted God. If we're trusting God, we will forever know the name of Joshua because he wasn't afraid. He believed. Peter the same way. He believed. He walked 
Peter did what it says here. If it's you, Peter said, tell me to get on the water. Come, Jesus said. He, Jesus, Peter got out the boat, walked on water, came towards Jesus. <coughs> we can't be deceived. Don't kill the time. Point three. Keep your faith. Keep your faith. Matthew 14, 30 says, well, when he saw the wind, Peter was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. You got to keep your faith. There'll be some storms in your life that will come. There'll be some trials in your life that will come. You'll be walking as though it's Sunday morning and you just celebrate the goodness and greatness of Jesus. And as soon as you leave the, the presence of the saints, you go and, a, and, and an attack of the enemy will come because he's trying to get you off your high horse. You've just celebrated Jesus. And, he, and what he's trying to do right now is to cut you off from the celebration, cut you off from your relationship with God, cut you off to a place that you fall back to where you were Saturday. We can't allow the distractions of the world to distract us from the promises of God. We can't allow the, the storms of life, the difficulties of life, the hardships of life, the sad days of life to, get, to make us forget that God is still God. I mean, those are the times where we have to keep our faith. Those are the times where, where we're testing ourselves if we can be strong enough to keep the faith that God has walked with the promises of God has already given unto us. That, see, what Peter happened to what Peter was the fact that he lost his faith. He was just victorious. Let me tell you, walking on water is hard. I've been trying it. I've been trying it. <laughs> I've been trying. That first step is a good one, though. I mean, that first step, I'm on it, the first step. But I can't even get that. I mean, have you tried to walk on water? No, I literally, I literally, I, whenever I go to a pool, I say, this is the day. I don't really believe it, though, but I still try because Peter did it. Let's see, what I understand this is, as difficult as it is, Peter was walking on water which is miraculous. And when he's walking on water, which is miraculous, he could have continued to walk on water, but he realized his humanity. We can't, we have to understand that we are foreigners passing through this place on our way to our home called heaven. And we have to always keep our eyes on Jesus at all times. You have to keep your eyes not on the winds that come in your life, those storms that come in your life, that coronavirus virus that comes in your life. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus to continue your walk upon the problems of this world, to continue to walk upon the emotions of the world, to continue to strive towards excellence that God has promised you. We have to stay focused on Jesus. What Peter did, he saw the wind. He saw the storm. He saw life and got afraid again, forgetting whose he was. We can't forget whose we are. We're Jesus' people. We're God's chosen 
people brought from the depths of darkness, brought into the wonderful light called his power. And with that, let's walk victorious. Let's experience all that God has for us. Let's not fall astray because we start to fear, we start to doubt, we start to believe the world for what it is. You can't watch CNN and believe that's what C that's the truth. You can't Fox News, CNN, CBS News. Right. Don't believe the hype. Mm -hmm. You start thinking that the world is going crazy. Probably is, but not yours, because you got Jesus. Amen. That's right. You got Jesus. Mm -hmm. So whatever's going on in your neighbor's house, let the Jones do the Jones. Your last name is God's child. Believer, I'm sanctified, delivered, saved by his grace, filled with his anointing, this power. Last point, because of time. Doubt leads to separation. Matthew 14, 31, 32. 31 reads, immediately Jesus reached out his hand to Peter and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? When he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Peter cried out in verse 30, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You a little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt? Miraculously, then the wind climbed. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. One thing the promises that God has for us is it says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the very end of the ages. See, there's some promises of God that he's going to keep regardless of what we do. <coughs> Excuse me. You may be sinful. You may have not had the best week. You may have cursed out the person at the drive-thru because they got your order wrong. <laughs> You may have fussed at your spouse because they didn't take out the trash. And you said in your mind, not me, I, I wasn't here, so it couldn't be me. And you said, man, I, rah, rah, rah. you may have looked at your child and said, man, I don't, how did this happen? You, you may have went to work and your coworker was on your last nerve and you thought some bad things. I don't know, you just fell straight. You just not, you not complete. You, you may have not been living your best life all week. But what I do know is this. God said he would never leave us. We can return back to him. Because he, he, God is not a man that he should lie, nor some of a man that he would change his mind. The things that he said is going to happen have to happen regardless of our frailties and our weaknesses. See, the reason why he said if a man falls um, seven times, how many times can he get back up again? Because God is saying, I'm going to give you enough opportunities so you can get it right again. I love you so much that I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will see you in your difficult times. I will see you in your shortcomings. I will see you in your periods of doubt. I will see you in your periods of fear, but I'm still here with you. All you have to do is cry out to me. Because what Jesus had to get accomplished was going to get accomplished even if Peter was going to fail, he was still going to get his message across. 
See, we can't live in fear of failing, nor can we live in fear of succeeding, because regardless of the outcome, if Jesus, God said it's going to be, it's going to be. So you got to go out and live your best life. Live your best life. Go after it. And if you fall, get back up. If you falter, don't worry about it. God is saying, just call on me. He said, in the midst of it all, Jesus even knew. He says, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? He lifted him up, and as soon as they got in the boat, the winds calmed. See, you will have some difficulties in your life that you would think would be overwhelming, that you would think would be just, just driving you crazy, some things in your life will happen, you want to pull out your hair, you think you can't get through it, you can't make it. But God is saying, stay in the... Because those things are just distractions. They're just distractions. Why are you doubting? Why are you fear? And as soon as you get past it, it's like it never really happened. <laughs> you ever looked, you know, had some difficult times, some difficult years, and it was hard when you were going through. It was hard. Puberty was hard going through. Man, I had so many pimples. I mean, I was pimpled. I was just. <laughs> it was some hard days. I mean, you know. I wasn't going to, but you know, it got to a point it became an art or a sport to pop the pimples. I mean, it was just that bad. <laughs> but when I look back, I got through it. It wasn't even that bad. I can laugh about it now. When I grew up with, uh, where I grew up in L.A., I lived by, he played for the Celtics. Uh, Dennis Johnson was his brothers were my good friends, Joey and Craig, and Dennis Johnson was well-renowned NBA player, won many championships with the Celtics. What's crazy is because I, we, were, we were Lakers, and back then it was Magic Johnson against Larry Bird, and Dennis Johnson played with Larry Bird, and so Dennis used to come home and give us, give us shoes, and he used to have Reebok contracts. We had all these Reebok shoes, and one time I got these shoes from... Uh, he gave me some, I wore size 12 and this other guy wore size 12 and there was some green Converse, it was green Converse that the person wore. And because I was such a Laker fan, I was like, man, I ain't wearing that man's shoes. So I took those shoes to Foot Locker and I traded in my Larry Bird shoes. One of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life. And I would have kept them Larry Bird shoes to this day. But I was a Laker fan and I, man, mad at myself doing that. And so, but everybody, we used to run the hills and everybody um, could jump really high. They could jump really high. And, and I couldn't jump. I had bad knees. And I remind myself of this all the time. So we would go out and we'd play and they were, you know, Joey Johnson could take a quarter off the top of the backboard. He had a 52 inch vertical leap. He, when he jumped, he would be this high over the rim. He could look down in the rim. It was crazy. He was only six foot four, but he could look down in the rim. 
And everybody could jump really high. And I couldn't. I had these bad knees. And they used to tease me about it all the time that I couldn't get up. And I continued to work at it. I continued to work at it. And it still scars me to this day. They still call me, uh, they still talk about me to this day. And that was the roughest part of my athletic life was growing up in high school until one day my knees got strong. Why well, share the story to you? Because it didn't even matter. Your things you went through in life don't even matter. The scars of your youth don't even matter. Some of us are holding back from being successful as adults because we keep thinking back of what we went through as children. You can't let the, 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 the errors, I don't know who this is for, but you can't let, let the mistakes of adults who hurt you as children remain in your life to this day. You have to let go of your past to grab hold of your future. I don't know who this is for. This is for somebody here today. You, you can't hold, let your past hold you back from getting to your future. Jesus came and lifted it all up and set us free. Because I got to take it to the cross. See, when Jesus came on that day, walked, was brutalized, thorn on his head, spat upon, whipped, beaten, for, our, for all of our iniquities. He went upon this cross, hung on the cross to the point that they didn't even know what to do. They, they went to break the legs of Jesus. They broke the legs on one side of him. They broke his legs and that person sank down and he died because he couldn't hold himself up with their legs. The other malefactor on the other side broke his legs and as he stretched out, he, he couldn't hold himself up and so he suffocated too. And they came to Jesus and they were going to break his legs and they didn't break him because they saw that he had already passed away. And so to make sure he was dead, they stabbed him. And they said blood and water came out. Which is blood and water comes out when you have a heart ailment, a heart attack. Jesus died from a broken heart. He didn't die from suffocation like the other two. He died from a heart ailment. He died from a broken heart on that day, but what happened, more importantly, was that when he gave up the ghost, when he gave up the ghost, it said the veil torn. When it torn in, in there, it meant that in the Holy of Holies, in the Holy of Holies, there was no need anymore for a high priest. See, Jesus is our high priest. He is our answer. He is the reason why we can go directly to the throne of grace, trusting and believing that God will hear our prayers. We don't have to have anybody intercede for us anymore. He sent us the Holy Spirit so we can be able to communicate. Even if we don't know what to say or how to say, the Holy Spirit will give us what to say in the midst of that particular moment right then. It's already been figured out for us. Have you seen a ghost? I'm going to tell you, no, you haven't seen no ghost. You ever seen a ghost? You've seen God's working, wonderful power in his Holy Spirit come to speak to us, to show us the way. To give us all the answers that we have, all the answers that we need, to really fill in the blanks for us in this life. 
What God is saying is, here I am. Come to me. Come to me with your problems, with your questions, with your need for answers, with your ailments, with your sickness, with your, with your, just come to me. Whatever you have, here I am. Do not fear me. I am a ghost. I'm the Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus said, I will not leave you alone. I will leave you the paracletos, what it means in Greek. I will leave you a comforter, what it means in English. I will leave you with the Holy Spirit. You ain't seen no ghost. You ain't seen a ghost. You're not going to see a ghost. You're going to see Jesus. You're going to see his Holy Spirit will give you the answer to all things. See, I, today when we leave this place, Leave with the understanding and the joy and the and the and the and the, and the, and the peace and knowing <laughs> that where Jesus is, where his Holy Spirit is, there's peace, there's promises fulfilled, there's love, there's uncompromising forgiveness. The word of the Lord says this. And Isaiah, I even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Remember your sins no more. God is saying, I have promises that I've given unto you that I don't even want to think back on the sins that you've done. Once you get forgiveness from me, I don't even think about it anymore. I put into the sea of forgetfulness. I cannot let your past hold you back from your destiny, from your promises, for your future. That's amazing. He'll do that for us. All he's saying is don't doubt. When I speak it into existence, walk into it. Don't fear. I'm here for you. I'll never leave you. The veil has been torn. You can come to me. Don't feel discouraged. Because you can't feel discouraged because discouraged is part of having lack of having courage. And with God, there's no need, there's no discouragement, there's no fear. Where God is, is courage, is forgiveness, is power, is joy, is peace, is healing, is sanctification, is consecration, is splendor. It's beauty. Yes. It's prosperity. It's success. Where God is, there's a song the saints would sing. They used to God is the joy. And the what? And the what of my life? Strength. God is the joy and the strength of my life. He called, he promised me. Say it one. Never to leave me. Never ever fall short his word. God is. Man, I want to sing that song right now. But what he's saying is simply, God is the joy, the strength of my life. He promised me to never leave me. Promise to keep me, never to leave me. The joy of this world. God is. And I used to hear that song sang 
and when I reflect upon it, what it was telling me is, no matter what the words of the song went, it was defining and defining who God is by saying, which is reality of this, God is everything that you need. He's your joy, he's your peace, he's your splendor. God is. So when Peter was stretching out and walking upon water, he reached out and he started, you know, he fell. The Lord picked him up and he became as God is. God is saying, well, whatever your needs are today, you cry out to me, I'll be your God is. I'll be your joy. I'll be your provider. I'll be your sanctifier. I'll be your healer. I'll be your ram in the bush. I'll be the, 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 the good words that you need to hear. I'll be your bridge over troubled waters. I'll be, I'm God. God is. And you fill out the rest. That's how much he loves us. Let's stand to our feet. Woo. God is. Have you seen a ghost? No, you haven't seen a ghost. You've seen this Holy Spirit act and move into your life and provide answers to you that you didn't even understand how it even came to pass. You've seen the Holy Spirit's hand and work in your life. There may be somebody here today at the sound of my voice who needs for God to be God is. Who needs for the Holy Spirit to show up into your life and provide an answer in a way when it doesn't make sense to anybody else. This is where we are today. In the place, in the place and the promises of God. That we can rest assured that no matter what we present to God, He's already have, has the answer for us. He's already figured it out. That's exciting. Yes. It's exciting to know that even when I fall, even when that feels like it doesn't seem like it's going to make sense, even when the, when, when life troubles come, it doesn't, it doesn't even seem like there's a way out for us, but God has already provided a ramp in the bush. He's already provided an answer. He's already saying, here I am. Why do you doubt? And he lifts us up so we can have a testimony to tell somebody else. Amen. Get your testimony. Yes. Father God, we come before you this hour of the Lord understanding you've already figured it all out for us. That you even knew in advance that we will falter. You knew in advance that we will fail. You knew in advance that there will be seasons of doubt, seasons of fear. You knew in advance. But you said I'll never leave you. I'll be with you to the very end of the ages. I won't leave you alone. I'll leave you the Holy Spirit. You knew in advance that we would need some help. And to seal those promises, you gave us the word and said, God is not a man that he should falter, repent, change his mind. That when he speaks into existence, it has to perform what is said. And it can't return to heaven without accomplishing what it was said to do, return to his void. 
You've already figured it all out for us, God. And so today, dear Lord, we come and ask you to be our is, our God is. Our God is peace. Our God is a healer. Our God is a miracle worker. Our God is a provider. Our God is a way maker. Our God is the entrepreneur within us that shows us how to be successful. Our God speaks things into existence for us so we can walk into the promises that he's already laid out for us. Our God is. So Father, today, whatever they seek from you today, Father, they raise a little expectation to a place of great faith in the Lord and they do not fear or have any doubt fulfill those things into their lives today, Father. Give them a testimony, God, how they cried out to you and you lifted them up and put them in the boat and that season of doubt, that season of fear, that season of failure moved past them as they enter into their realm of success. We thank you now for your love. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for, 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 for getting our past and giving us a brighter tomorrow. We thank you now in advance for these things, God, because you are love. And we share that love with you today. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say, amen.